If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. Welcome to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom, the podcast where I speak with people who see the wrong in the world and are driven to make it right. My guest today is a woman who spent 23 years in prison and emerged as a social justice champion, a tireless fighter for the incarcerated, and a self-described abolitionist. I think we need to think about abolition a little bit more broadly than just closing prisons. The majority of folks are abolitionists in some degree, you know, whether they're working to dismantle poverty in their lives or cycles of violence in their lives, whatever it is that you're trying to dismantle in your life, you are an abolitionist in spirit. Right now on Righteous Convictions from Arlen Ralston. Welcome back to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom. Today's guest is Romarilyn Ralston. Um, very, very lyrical name, by the way. But Romarilyn is the executive director of College and Community Fellowship, a nonprofit in New York City that helps women and families most harmed by mass criminalization gain equitable access to opportunity and higher education. And Romarilyn, first of all, welcome to Righteous Convictions. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me on the show. Right off the red eye, and she's raring to go. So, um, you know, 
you are uniquely qualified to do uh, the things that you're doing because of your own life experience. And I'm excited to hear mostly about the things that you're doing. But before we get into that, I want to know how you became you. What happened to start this crazy journey through our carceral system for you? And then how did you transform yourself and and find your, I guess I'm going to call it your true calling? Well, that's a big question. I'm not sure if we have a couple of days to talk about (laughs) how I became me and found my true calling. And I'll try not to get philosophical and stick to the facts. You know, like a lot of uh, low-income Black people, you know, we grow up in communities where we're exposed to violence and crime and different you know, social conditions that oftentimes can set one up for incarceration, homelessness, substance abuse, uh, intimate partner violence. And, you know, my life was no different. My mother suffered from mental illness. When I was a child, she was diagnosed as a a schizophrenic, I believe. uh, So she suffered from schizophrenia and she was hospitalized most of my childhood in and out. So my sister and I moved around a lot, uh, staying with relatives, grandparents, grandmothers, different folks. My dad for a while, his second wife, and then my mom when she would get out of the hospital. So just had that kind of tumultuous life as a kid growing up in St. Louis. And, you know, probably saw too many things as a kid that traumatized me and kind of laid dormant in my psyche until high school. And, you know, I fell in love really early in high school, got pregnant, married by 17. And I went off with my husband who was in the army and that relationship was pretty volatile and abusive. Both of us were way too young to be married. Um, he didn't graduate from high school. I had to return to high school to graduate, but I did. And it was just, you know, a lot of ups and downs and chaos. And as a a young person, you know, a teenager, you don't really know how to process those things when it's one episode after the other. And so, I eventually joined the military myself, and after my husband and I had several more years of domestic violence, and after two very violent episodes where my life was threatened, you know, I was separated from the Navy, left um, the military with my two kids, and went to California to start life over at 21 years old. (laughs) And, you know, 21 years old, little naive and green and very eager to live life differently uh, in California, was exposed to, to drugs and gangs and, you know, other, I guess, street crimes and got involved in using drugs, used drugs for about six months 
tried to sell drugs as, as a way of making money and supporting myself and my kids. Um, didn't work like it never works for anyone. Um, and one day I shot and killed a young woman and I was convicted of second degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. And when I got to prison, I knew that my life was not supposed to be that. And so I worked really hard inside of the prison to teach myself different skills, life skills, soft skills, enrolled in my first college course, uh, became a college tutor, um, was a fire camp trainer, uh, a clerk, uh, held many jobs, created five organizations when I was in the prison. One was a GED program. Another was the African-American Women Prisons Association, a fitness program, a drug uh, awareness counseling program, and created an, an award called the Community Service Award, where incarcerated people who demonstrated acts of service within the community could receive some privileges outside of what is normally given to an incarcerated person. And, you know, really lived my life in the prison for 23 years uh, in such a way that I was highly respected by my peers and uh, many of the correctional staff and administration. And then eventually, through the support of USC Post-Conviction Justice Project, my freedom was, I guess, granted through the courts based on my hard work and rehabilitation because the Board of Prison Terms found it very difficult to find me suitable for release until the courts intervened for some odd reason, which I think was uh, totally part of the, the racist system that we, we have, but that's a whole nother conversation. And uh, eventually uh, I was released in 2011 uh, through the courts and returned to higher education as my transformative practice and power. And, you know, one thing led to another. I graduated from Pitzer College with honors uh, with a bachelor's degree in gender and feminist studies, and then earned a couple of spots in some fellowships. I was a Coral Fellow, went to grad school at Washington University in St. Louis, where I earned my master's degree in liberal studies, and then moved back to California for a position uh, within the Cal State University system with Project Rebound. And then my life got real crazy with doing activism and um, abolitionist work. So that's all I'm going to volunteer. <laughs> it's um, it's remarkable. You know, I mean, the idea that you, after spending 23 years in prison, and actually while spending 23 years in prison, were able to, I mean, rehabilitation is an interesting word because you went above and beyond any realistic expectation of rehabilitation or anything else. I mean, you went to a place 
of um, I'm going to call it greatness. And then once you were able to win your freedom, thanks to the uh, post-conviction justice project, you hit the ground running and you've been running ever since. So you're an abolitionist, right? Now you had your 23 years, you know more than almost anyone about what goes on behind the walls and and throughout the system. Tell us about abolition and your views on abolition, because most people hear that word and they say, well, wait a minute, what are we going to do with the most violent people? Like, we, what, how are we going to stay safe? I mean, even the most progressive people that I talk to will say things like that. Tell us your vision for abolition and a more just justice system. Well, I think my vision pretty much falls in line with, you know, the greatest abolitionist of our time, uh, Dr. Angela Yvonne Davis and Ruthie Wilson Gilmore and, you know, and, and others. They, they talk more about building the community, the world that we want, you know, and dismantling the systems of oppression that currently exist. And and I think that's the true spirit of abolition and why I identify as an abolitionist. I think it's really important for those of us who understand systems of oppression, whether it's through white supremacy, racism, sexism, ageism, xenophobic, whatever it is, you know, that the majority of folks are abolitionists in some degree, you know, whether they're working to dismantle poverty in their lives or cycles of violence in their lives through, you know, whatever it is that you're trying to dismantle in your life, you are an abolitionist in spirit. And if you're working towards building the life that you want for yourself, the community that you want for yourself, the world that you want for yourself, you are reimagining what it would look like if we could remove some of these harms and build guardrails and safety around the things that we want in an equitable way so that all can thrive and live well, you are an abolitionist. It's not just about PIC abolition. And and that's where I think a lot of people get hung up with the spirit of abolition is that you know, it's all about the prison system. And if we do away with the prison system, what will we do with people who harm other people? Well, most of the people who harm other people and the masses are wearing business suits and they walk into offices and and step out of cars and carry briefcases and they harm tens of thousands of people, oftentimes through some of the work that they do destroying the environment or cheating people out of their retirement. And these systems need to be abolished as well. And so, you know, I I think we need to think about abolition a little bit more broadly than just closing prisons. That's a part of PIC abolition, but it's not all of what abolition is about. And so, I think most people can agree that the current criminal legal punishment system that we have is flawed, or as some say, working as designed 
because as designed, it was created to capture certain bodies, mostly black bodies and disenfranchise black communities and was an extension of slavery and created to be a big part of that Jim Crow era. And it just evolved into what we see now here in the United States as mass incarceration. And that's what needs to be dismantled, mass incarceration. But all of those social ills that set people up to be incarcerated, poverty, lack of education, poor public education, poor housing, lack of housing, redlining, draconian laws that exist on the books that set people up to be violated. And, you know, and and then again, the law is subjective. You know, we see people who are white get away with things that people who are black and brown cannot get away with just because of class and because of race and because of social status and all of these other things, you know, Everything is subjective, and it's always who you are and who you know and how much money you have. And so these are the, the systems that we need to reimagine so that there is equity and justice in the world in, in whatever ways that we can make it happen. We need to make it happen. And so that's where I come from as an abolitionist. Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom is super excited and honored to have the support of a great organization like Galaxy Gives. Galaxy Gives leads the philanthropic efforts of the Novogratz family. They invest in organizations, campaigns, and leaders who are directly impacted by and working to dismantle the current punitive justice system. Galaxy Gives also builds power for the communities most harmed by mass incarceration and forges transformative solutions for responding to that harm. They envision a society where the structural barriers created by racism, poverty, and inequality are no more, where instead all people have the dignity, freedom, and rights needed to thrive. And your work really focuses on women, right? I mean, I think the connection between women and prison in America isn't talked about enough. Most people have no idea, for instance, that with uh, about four and a half percent of the world's population, we have about 33 percent of the world's female prison population. And that should be a source of national shame and should be a front page headline. Because what is it? I mean, are American women so terrible compared to the rest of the world that they all need to be put in cages? I mean, help me out with this, because I've never understood why we do it this way. Well, again, I, I think it's about labor. And it's also about the ideas around punishment and who's deserving of punishment and who isn't. And whenever a state or the government can profit off of labor, 
and human capital, they do it. I mean, this country was built on the backs of slavery, on the backs of slaves. And most of the wealth in this country, you know, has been generated, you know, from the labor of poor black and brown and indigenous people. And so it's not hard to understand that, you know, when when you run out of reasons to exploit one group of people, you find another group of people to exploit. And so, you know, the war on drugs and the war on crime and the 94 crime bill that establishes mandatory minimums and long sentences and all of these drug policies of the 80s, you know, what it did was it, it, it set up pathways for women to be part of the carceral system. You know, the crack epidemic, you know, just opened the, the floodgates. And women got swept up in that too, because these drug policies didn't discriminate against gender. And and then, you know, the, the 94 crime bill with its long sentences and, and, and felony murder rule. And I mean, it's just a long history of bad, bad, bad policies that set a lot of women up to serve long sentences to be incarcerated, to lose their children, to lose their homes, to lose, to lose themselves in this system. And the revolving door was just waiting for them to return because parole and probation is another one of those tyrannical systems that needs to be abolished and dismantled. Because many times, especially in the 90s and early 2000s, there was so many discriminatory practices and unfair practices by probation and parole where folks were getting violated and returned to a cage because they couldn't find a job or they didn't have an address or they tested dirty for some substance. And so, you know, thank God a lot of people have changed those practices uh, and a lot of agencies across the country has changed some of those practices. But there's still, as you said, way too many women who are incarcerated and way too many people, period. And pathways to incarceration for women are usually, you know, relational or involve substance abuse and long histories of trauma. In addition to that, 60% of All incarcerated women have minor children, children under the age of 18. And so that just, it just exacerbates the school to prison pipeline and continues to use human capital as, as a means of, of labor and profit for states. You know, here's another statistic that just blows my mind. According to the Innocence Project, of the female exonerees in this country, and there are many, around 70% of them, get this, were convicted of crimes that never even happened. There were actually things like accidents, suicides, and fabricated crimes. Just think about that for a second. It's nuts. And not only that, when we spoke recently with Adnan Khan, He told us that 72% of the women who were incarcerated for homicide in California 
were not actually the killer in those cases. They were just with somebody who did the actual killing. That's the felony murder rule. Many, many incarcerated women were not the perpetrators of the crime that they are convicted of. They may have been knowledgeable of something after the fact, or they may not have known at all. They may have been in the car while a husband or a boyfriend or a a son or a brother or somebody else was committing a crime. I mean, there are so many circumstances where you are not knowledgeable of a crime. But in California, prior to, I believe, 2018, you know, if you had knowledge of a crime and you didn't report it or turn the person in or or said anything, then you were just as guilty as the person who committed the crime, especially if someone was killed during the commission of a crime, regardless of whether there was intent to kill or not under the felony murder rule, you were found guilty of murder and those who were with you as well. And so there are a lot of incarcerated women in the state of California serving life without the possibility of parole who did not commit a crime, who were not even knowledgeable of the crime, but because it was their partner and they were with them after the fact or sometimes even before the fact, you know, oftentimes you are not knowledgeable of a crime, but in California, prior to, I believe, 2018, if you had knowledge of a crime and you didn't report it or the result was they were convicted of the same crime or sometimes conspiracy to commit a crime without any real evidence. And there are many women that we fight for every day to get released because of the felony murder rule that was finally legislated so that there could be some relief for folks. But people spent 20, 30, 40, 45 years in prison. And I have a number of friends who have come home recently in the last couple of years and some that are still inside. That's what I was going to ask you. Is there one person that you, you know, maybe somebody who's still in or recently got out who is sort of embodies this problem and can put a human face on like is there one person that comes to your mind first thing well just recently um we used to call her mother mary mary jones after 32 years um you know she was she's finally being set free you know she didn't commit the crime um and you know we called her mother mary for a reason because she was this elder you know Black woman who nurtured so many of us that came in young. She was the church mother. She sang in the choir. She led the Bible studies. She prayed for us. She raised many of us in the prison. And finally, you know, the courts have recognized that she's innocent, that she did not commit a crime. And she had been saying this for 32 years. You know, this just happened a few days ago. And so it's, you know, thanks again to the Post-Conviction Justice Project. You know, it's it's the Innocence Project. It's Human Rights Watch. It's Post-Conviction Justice Project and, and all of these other, you know, law schools that that work to, to get people free. 
to liberate folks from, you know, this punishment system where we as black and brown people, poor people, indigenous people, queer peoples, you know, just different people, people other than white people, you know, walk into a courtroom. It's never a jury of your peers and you are immediately suspect and oftentimes railroaded into a jail cell or a prison cell for crimes that you did not commit. Okay, so let's talk about some of your many accomplishments and awards, because this is amazing. Pitzer College 2020 Distinguished Alumni Award, Woman of Distinction Social Justice Champion Award, the 2018 Civil Rights and Advocacy Award from the National Council of 100 Black Women, and most importantly, in my opinion, you were the policy advisor for tremendously important legislative bills in California, bills that include the Incarcerated Students' Bill of Rights, the Racial Justice Act of 2020, and AB 2533. And tell us more about 2533, which just really establishes some of the most basic human rights and dignities for incarcerated people that the rest of us take for granted. I'm talking about things like, believe it or not, toothpaste and soap, to name just a couple. And we shouldn't even have needed a bill like this, but you made it happen. Yeah, there's, you know, I testified in the Senate uh, for 2533, the Dignity and Care Act, the indigent bill, because, you know, I was incarcerated for 23 years where the indigent's threshold was $1. And so anyone who had $1, $1 or more on their trust account was ineligible for a state hygiene supplies, stamps, envelopes, you know, notary services, things like that. I mean, $1. And so if you wanted to go to the doctor or the dentist and you had a dollar and 59 cents or a dollar and a penny, then you had to pay a $5 copay. You didn't have $5 to pay the $5 copay. It didn't bar you from seeing a doctor, but what it did do was put a hold on your account for $5 for 30 days. And most of us who are incarcerated, as you know, make very low wages. I mean, pennies, pennies an hour. I myself made eight cents an hour. And if you work for eight cents an hour, which is the average pay, that's $20 a month. It takes, you know, 60 hours or so to earn $5. And so that bill was really important to me because if I made $20 a month, I had to make some strategic decisions on how to spend that $20 because I didn't have anything coming from the state of California other than two hots and a lunchbox. And so how how do I get washing powder, toothpaste, shampoo, conditioner, feminine hygiene products, Tylenol. I mean, you you have to buy everything when you have more than a dollar on your account. And so raising that threshold from $1 to $25 impacted 80,000 people within CDCR. 80,000 
when those numbers came back, it blew my mind because at that time, there was a little over 100,000 people incarcerated in the state of California. The average person makes $20 a month. So if we set it at $25, we know that that man or that woman who's earned that $20 can now send their kids something, a birthday card, a graduation gift, you know, make sure that they have something to contribute to their family or buy themselves a new pair of shoes, you know, save for that. And so it just, it just blew my mind that thinking about what I wish I would have had when I was in prison impacted 80,000 people. That's the power we have. And, and that's the kind of legislation we can create when we are thinking outside of ourselves. You know, it, 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 was, it just, it blows my mind every time I, I think about that particular bill. And when I testified in the Senate about it, I shared with them having to choose between, you know, going to, to canteen the commissary to buy Christmas cards to send my kids or toothpaste. This is what it gets down to, you know, and then, you know, folks want to chastise you and condemn you and shame you when you can't communicate with your kids, when you don't, you know, send Christmas cards or birthday cards. Your kids grow up thinking that you don't love them when you can't afford a Christmas card or a birthday card. And so this was one of the game changers for me. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. 
Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. So you end up, after doing all this incredible work, you end up getting a full pardon. Well, this year, right, from Governor Newsom. I did in January, January 13th. Tell tell me about that. How did that take place and what did it mean to you? Oh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm still processing it because, you know, when I decided to apply uh, for executive clemency, you always think you'll get it, but you just don't know when. And you just think, you know, I'll give it a shot because... You know, I I want to be free. And although, yeah, I think freedom is one of those things like rehabilitation that you have to do for yourself, you know, but there's something about receiving a, a piece of paper from the state where you committed a felony, a crime, to say that you've been forgiven. I, I, I think there's a there's a freedom and a liberation in that that's a little different from something that you can give to yourself, especially when you are so remorseful and and for for what what you've done and there's there's no way you can change what you've done. You can't change it. It's done. And so for the last 35 years since since you know I, I took a life I, I've been trying to get to the place where I could for, really forgive myself not just say it but really do it and and know that you know, it's not, and I don't know, it's, it's just so deep. I, I can't even articulate it. Um, and so it's, it was just, it was just different. It was just different when, when I applied, I, I, you know, it was like, I deserve this. I've worked hard, blah, blah, blah. But when I answered the phone and it was the governor saying like, it's Gavin Newsom, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. I, I didn't even believe it was Gavin Newsom. I kept saying, you know, you sound like Gavin Newsom, <laughs> but how do I know you're Gavin Newsom? <laughs> and he kept saying, it's Gavin Newsom. And, you know, then I I knew what it was. 
And there was a, a shift in my spirit because I knew not only had I been pardoned, but that the governor took time out of his schedule to call me. And his words to me were, I wanted to call you to let you know that I am granting your executive clemency and I hope that you rest easier tonight. So for him to know how painful this has been in my life and to try to give me a little bit of peace and and rest by granting my executive clemency and forgive me for getting emotional. It's, it was just really powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to imagine you not getting emotional. I'm getting emotional. And, you know, I hope this does allow you to sleep more easily and fly even higher, um, which I think it probably will. So I wanted to ask you, what can people do if they want to follow or better yet, join your work, your activism? Is there a website that they can go to or uh, what would you recommend they do? Yeah, there's there's two organizations that I, I would like to promote. And, you know, of course, that's Project Rebound and, and they can find that online if they want to give. And then College and Community Fellowship. Both of these organizations work to provide access to higher education for justice-involved individuals. And, you know, it's transforming people's lives and changing communities. And if you're on the West Coast, you know, you've got a Project Rebound across the state of California. There's 14 campus programs from Humboldt to San Diego. Find the one nearest you. Uh, in the closest CSU. And if you're here on the East Coast, you know, College and Community Fellowship has been doing this work for 22 years, supporting justice-involved women and their families find the transformative power of higher education. And so you can give if you go to collegeandcommunity.org and just click donate. And We'll put those links in our bio for our listeners. And now, before we close out the show, I want to mention that next week, my guest will be criminal justice professor, Dr. Nikki Jackson, who has been doing some incredible work in the wrongful conviction space. Okay, so Romarlin Ralston, here comes the closing of our show. It's in two parts. And first off, the magic wand question, it works like this. If I had a magic wand, and I wish I did, and I could grant you one wish, what would that be? I think the one, you know, on a philosophical level, you know, we're talking magic wands and all of that, you know, just love, you know, love thy neighbor, love thy neighbor. Um, You know, it's the golden rule. If we could practice that, really practice that, believe in that and translate that to one another and receive it, you know, that's what I will use my magic wand for, to create a, a loving world. That's beautiful. And that's a great wish. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and grant you that wish. <laughs> as soon as I find my magic wand, I'm going to, I'm going to wave it and we'll make it happen Thank you. together. And then the final segment of our show is called Words of Wisdom. 
you've already shared so many, but I, I'm hoping there's some still left. I'm going to turn my microphone off, kick back in my chair, close my eyes, and just listen to anything else you want to share with me and our wonderful um, and very woke audience. Well, to all the woke people out there, we're never as woke as we think we are. We can always do more, love more, give more, develop different languages so that we can speak to people better. And, you know, we just need to be kinder to one another and more forgiving. So those are my kind of words of wisdom because those are things that I need to do for myself. No, none of us are ever as woke or as cool or as, you know, savvy as we think we are. We're all just doing the best that we can. And I think we can do a little bit better on most days. Thank you for listening to Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom. I'd like to thank our production team, Connor Hall, Annie Chelsea, Jeff Clyburn, Lila Robinson, and Kevin Wardis. The music in this production was supplied by three-time Oscar-nominated composer Jay Ralph. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lava for Good. You can also follow me on both TikTok and Instagram at It's Jason Flom. Righteous Convictions with Jason Flom is a production of Lava for Good Podcast in association with Signal Company Number 1. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. 
Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, kids' playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed, or DIY kits are available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com and receive 20% off today. 